the maneuver that we've executed is to turn um, a a partial like turn what is to the engineers an asynchronous process in which they do not have any visibility into nor do they bear the costs of the total uh, sequencing of the process into a synchronous process right now because there is this lock in place you can't just fire your change off and continue on with your life you have to sit there and wait with the change while it trickles into production if you're a tech leader looking to learn today's best practices for leading high-functioning teams, you're in the right spot. In each episode, we learn from today's top tech leaders as they share their successes, their failures, and their lessons learned along the way. I'm Debbie Madden, and this is the Scaling Tech Podcast, your blueprint for scaling tech teams. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Madden. And today we are talking to Ryan Guthrie. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Hey, Debbie, I'm great. How about yourself? Good. Um, we are talking about your chicken story, which I myself don't know what it's about. So I'm fascinated to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I think the genesis, the genesis of this is we were, I can't remember exactly what we were chatting about, but I said something like, let me tell you my, which is from the context of continuous delivery. And I was like, let me tell you my chicken story someday. And you were like, you gave me a funny look and you're like, mm, all right. Uh, and then, uh, uh, I mean, I, I love that we're doing it this way. Because it sort of preserves the fun of it, right? Like, yeah, no, like, I, mean, I, I am hearing this chicken story for the very first time. So before yeah. we get in, before we get in, we'll leave the audience suspended for a couple of seconds longer. Uh, for those that don't know Brian, uh, he is currently the founder and CTO of Workspace, which is a people platform for software teams. I've had the pleasure of demoing in it and it's a really great tool and very useful for our product and services teams alike. Um, and prior to Workspace, he was a VP uh, at Meetup where he led the organization through a major transition period, uh, which many of us know Meetup where a lot of us are familiar with that journey. Um, and Brian, uh, you began your career at ThoughtWorks who also many people know well, where you did XP and Agile consulting for a wide range of clients and became an early proponent of continuous integration in DevOps and uh, you live in Brooklyn. So uh, so with that, uh, I can't wait. T tell me, tell me, tell me about the chicken story. Oh, oh my goodness. So this, um, this, uh, I, I promise there's a point to this, uh, but it, it happened somewhere in that, in that um, interstitial period between sort of the ThoughtWorks early days and, uh, you know, the, the gig I'm in now, and I was sort of wandering between tech companies. And I had just stepped into a, a leadership role at this company uh, as a director of engineering. And um, uh, one of the things that struck me almost immediately, well, I guess there are two things that struck me immediately, right? The first thing that struck me almost immediately is that their software delivery process seemed, uh, shall we say, involved to me, right? So they had built a process that involved uh, an engineer working on a feature, opening up a feature branch, you know, uh, uh, so far so good, right? Do the, you know, create a branch, do the work, shove it up into the branch, uh, and then the next step was that they would uh, inform the QA that there was an open branch uh, and the one QA person would, uh, as circumstances allowed, take that branch and any other open branches, merge them into a release branch, and then run the Selenium test suite that he had built on his laptop uh, and validate the release, at which point he would inform the DevOps engineer that... Uh, a branch was ready to go. Uh, and then the DevOps engineer 
would merge that release branch into main and be responsible for deploying the thing into production. So that was thing number one uh, process. I, you know, I came from a background in continuous delivery. This felt over-involved to say nothing of unsafe uh, to me personally. And it also seemed like an early, an early opportunity for, for a win when Hotel's a leader, right? Can I come in and, and help them sort of revise this thing? The second thing that struck me about this process after talking to some folks about it was that no one seemed particularly concerned about it except me, which might or might not have been a warning sign, right? But uh, the folks who had built that process were in you know, leadership roles doing the things that they wanted to do and appreciated that they owned their part of the pipeline and didn't see much benefit to building sort of a shared pipeline with the team as its sort of common element, right? And so from my standpoint, they were stuck in this sort of local minima of productivity where uh, they were probably doing okay, but not as good as they as they could have done by, uh, to be clear, what I hoped to see or where I wanted to lead them was a process in which engineers were responsible for uh, developing and then performing their own merges, having an automated test suite combined perhaps with a staging environment or something where as necessary, if the software project merits it, you can do some manual testing, followed by an automated deployment into production with automated telemetry around that deployment to make sure that everything is smooth and that the software is behaving as expected in, in production, right? So sort of your modern, what I think of as your modern CICD process. Um, and uh, so my sort of conclusion from this is like, it, it felt like something that, that really needed to fix in order to, to get the team to up its game. Uh, but it wasn't going to be easy to come in as a leader and just say, well, by fiat, you know, I, I wave my magic wand and everything's changed, right? Can you do that? Sure. Do some leaders do it? Sure. Um, uh, but I hadn't been burned by that before. Uh, I felt like uh, I my most recent career experience prior to that had been around the limits of, of one's ability to sort of drive that change unilaterally. Uh, and so I started banging my head on this and thinking, okay, like I want to try to get this thing done. How am I, I going to do it? Um, and one of my favorite um, articles from sort of early Agile, and I think this was a, a followers project way back in the day, although I could be wrong, it was written by Jim Shore. And I reread this thing every every few years because I just find it immensely entertaining. It's called, uh, and it's also like a fascinating look at how people were thinking about continuous integration, continuous delivery in the early days before it became commoditized as an industry. Um, the article is called uh, Continuous Delivery on a Dollar Day. I'll share the link uh, with folks so they can check it out if they want. And it describes a project in which the, the whole premise of the article is Jim Shore saying, hey, you might have heard of this new CI tool called uh, Cruise Control. This is back in the early days of Cruise Control. And his his uh, his whole thing was, uh, you don't need a fancy tool like Cruise Control to do continuous integration. Continuous integration is a process. It's not a tool. And so the process that this particular team followed is that they had a rubber chicken and a bell. And when it came time for someone on the team to check their code into shared source control, and I think this was like, I think this was like the late '90s or something, or early 2000s at best. It was early, early. Um, when it comes time to check your your code into, code into source control, I want you to look around for the chicken and grab the chicken. And from that point onwards, you're the only person who is allowed to check the source into source control. Uh, and then it's your responsibility to get the code up into your shared sort of environment run all the tests on it, make sure it gets merged, whatever, right? It's your responsibility. And then when you're done, you hit the bell. And that's how you know that uh, a change has gone into the source control repository. And then you release the rubber chicken back into the wild. 
to run free amongst the the um, the cubicles and then find its next happy home with the next person looking to commit. And if um, if the chicken is not available and you would like to commit code, then too bad. Please sit on your hands until uh, the chicken has released. Right. So it's a global it's a global lock on commits. Um, with me with me so far. I'm with you. Can you shut up anytime. I. Uh, I vaguely remember this article because I too was in this space uh, <laughs> on the business side in the early days. And um, I don't think any of the teams I worked with actually used the chicken, but I know Jim well, and um, I love, I love his thinking. And so I'm, I'm trying to recall when I heard this, but I, <laughs> I do, re- I do remember it. Uh, and so I'm fascinated that this is coming back to Jim Shore. So, uh, okay, so now with that in mind, uh, how did you capitalize on 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 Jim's ideation? <laughs> per, perhaps, perhaps you can see where this is going. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, I didn't hear you say it. Oh God, I've never actually—I don't think I've ever actually met Jim Shore. So if you do run into him, please give him a, a high five for me for for thinking okay, this through. Okay, I will. Um, so uh, I went out to uh, Amazon.com and I purchased a rubber chicken and a belt. And uh, I went to the team and I said, I don't want you to change anything about this process. I think the process is great. The only thing I want you to change, okay, there's one important thing I want you to change, which is the next time you want to open up a pull request, uh, I want you to find this rubber chicken. I want you to grab the rubber chicken. I want you to physically take it to the QA person and sit with them while they run the build on their local laptop. And then I would like all of you to physically take that chicken to the uh, DevOps engineer. And then the three or four of you together can sit there and wait until the change is in production. Then we all hit the bell. Whoever whoever feels like it. That's a meaningful difference. It is. I guess it is a meaningful. Yeah, yeah. It's it's slightly more than a minor process change. Uh, And then you all get to hit the bell. Yeah. So now the whole team is walking around with the chicken instead of one person walking around with the chicken. The, the relevant okay. subset of the team for, for a given feature. Yeah, right, um, right. Okay. Uh, and they all looked at me like I'd grown a second head, but they said, okay, we'll give it a shot. Uh, and I, I think the whole thing lasted for maybe uh, two weeks <laughs> to skip to the okay. end here a little bit because I think the, I think the, I think it worked out. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the engineer who had worked on some front end feature would uh, grab the chicken, run the chicken over the QA person, sit there until the build ran, run it over the DevOps person, ding, hit the bell. Everyone's happy. Uh, I should say that in a shared office space at a startup, the executives loved this. They loved hearing that bell uh, each and every single time. Uh, and get them right. Change right out into production. Yeah, yeah. They Stop were wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love- some early objections. Uh, some people found the bell too loud, which I suppose is fair. Uh, and one person really, really, really did not like touching uh, the rubber chicken. Had tactile issues with it, so we. We, I okay. believe, uh, made an allowance for that situation to say, like, look, someone else can grab the chicken or, you know, like it's a virtual yeah. chicken, like put a piece of paper on top of it, whatever. Um, okay. Uh, but as you might imagine, and by design, it drove people crazy almost immediately, right? Um, because, yeah. uh, the, I mean, the, the hard part really isn't dragging the chicken around, uh, nor is it hitting the bell. It's sitting on your hands and waiting while the process has moved down into production. And so what right. I would, what I would say here like a maneuver that we've executed is to turn um a a partial like turn what is to the engineers an asynchronous process 
in which they do not have any visibility into, nor do they bear the costs of the total uh, sequencing of the process into a synchronous process, right? Now, because there is this lock in place, you can't just fire your change off and continue on with your life. You have to sit there and wait with the change while it trickles into production. And to me, this is actually a fabulous process hack for debugging um, problems in your workflow uh, because asynchronicity has a way of hiding uh, hiding slow processes, right? If it's if it's not slow to you, if it's just slow to some other asynchronous system, then, then fair enough, right? And that doesn't matter right up until the point where it starts to matter uh, quite a lot. Like, for example, something is broken in production and all of a sudden that, you know, two-hour deployment process looks awfully slow. Um, right, right. Uh, so, so we turned... All right. Yeah. So yeah, go, I was, I'm, 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 I, I love the, I love the very early lessons learned and I'm, I'm, I know you're going to get there and I'm wondering, you know, these were people's early reactions. There were some, maybe, maybe we made the bell quieter. Maybe we made the holding the chicken more amenable to some folks, but the, the, the core, oh my goodness, this, this can't be my life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that that exposure um to the inefficiencies in the process like okay so then what happened once people saw the end to end how did the team react i mean what i what i explicitly told them that i i was hoping would happen right because when i when i drive a process change like this i i try as much as i can to be super upfront about what i'm anticipating what i think might happen and also the failure uh modes right under what circumstances would we pull the ripcord and decide that we're not going to do this anymore. Right. Or, um, and so, and so what I said to folks is like, look, some of this is going to be pretty painful because it involves waiting around for things. Please take as much time as you need to make it faster. Right. So my, my hope is that by taking this thing that didn't feel that painful before and making it super painful, it'll give you better insight into the places where you need to optimize it. Because another one of my beliefs is that people are much better at self-optimizing for pain than some manager coming in and saying, this thing is slower, please make it faster, right? It it makes more, if you if you feel the impact of that change, it's going to feel much more impactful than if, if someone I think dictates by fiat, look, our, you know, our builds were two hours before and now they're going to be 30 minutes or whatever, right? Like it's nice to drive towards a target, but it's different if it's something that, that benefits you in the process that you're running. And so um, I think uh, folks did that, right? Like we started to find uh, the build becoming more optimized on the um, on the deployment side. We did a lot more automation in the DevOps space, uh, but we didn't run the experiment for very long because, uh, I mean, frankly, I, I think that the 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 point came across pretty quickly. And the feedback, I don't I don't want to make it out to seem like I'm some sort of like magic superhero and the whole thing was perfect, right? Like it was it was I think uh, frustrating for a number of folks, and I could totally empathize with people who were sitting here listening to this thing and saying like, look, if I was on that team, this would have driven me out of my mind, right? I think the feedback I got from that was like, gosh, I wish you had just told us explicitly, you know, don't do this, do that instead. Um, and I I don't know whether that would have worked or not, but I know that all of my preliminary conversations were pointing in the direction of like, I don't really get why you would want this, Mr. Manager, so please, you know, get off my backs and focus on something else, right? Um, right. And so and this I, was... I, I think like the two things that um, I'm picking up which I'm, 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 I'm guessing that you observed and the team members observed. Number one, um, saying that in hindsight is a completely different thing than saying, right? Like, why right. couldn't you just yeah. tell us? Well, 
if I would have just told you, are, are, like, how certain are we that we would have come to this the same spot at the end? Like, probably not that certain. Um, but that leads to number two, which is by by making an asynchronous process synchronous in a way that that like kind of requires you to really sit with step one, step two, step three. You're also inherently um, changing the converse, conversation from inference to data driven because you're you're sitting with the person that's doing the thing instead of think oh this person should be working faster well you can see what the person's doing right and and it, it, i'm assuming it kind of it made all of those incorrect assumptions kind of fall by the wayside and force people to look at oh well when this person hits this button they themselves have to wait 60 seconds for this thing to happen so Maybe if we change that thing. And so like, I just think that making the conversation about the data and making everything visible, which is what you did, also changed the conversation. I mean, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it did, right? Like I, uh, uh, I, I think, I think it, was, it was illustrative to me in the sense that like, I mean, A, it was like a fun experiment that's worth running. And some of this stuff was context sensitive, right? If you're... If you're part of a team of like folks who would be super into that sort of thing, who would who would find it enjoyable, then you know there's there's no harm in running ex running an experiment like this, right? Uh, and so I think that that uh, led to a little bit of uh, um, you know entertainment as far as means of your sort of typical process change, right? Uh, and and like I said, I mean I think I think the having the execs in the room like have that visceral feel for how frequently things are rolling out into production really really helped as well. But I, I think that's a really astute point that right it's very different it's very different to run that analysis after the fact versus before the fact right and and people I think sometimes have an exaggerated self belief about how they would have like you know Monday morning quarterbacking right like how they would have approached a situation in the moment right uh, right and like um, the other the other piece of this like I was talking I was actually talking to someone this morning um, on my team about this this. Um, you know, the Toyota way, which sparked lean manufacturing, lean, yep, I mean, yep. is at the you know forefront of all this stuff, had many sayings, um, it has many sayings, and one of them is go to the Gemba, which is, you know, literally, yeah. if you want to know what's happening in your assembly line, literally actually go to the factory floor and actually spend time at each station. Yeah. And this is that, right? I mean, like the... the the other thing, yeah, exactly. I mean, the other thing it did is it built a lot of empathy, right? Like all of the sudden yeah. engineers who were right. totally disconnected from this process had some right. sense of how it worked on the QA side. And likewise, as the process rolled forward, the QA folks could come work with the the, the delivery team and get an understanding of what the, the, the roll forward looked like from there, right? And it encourages everyone to sort of cross-pollinate, right? Here's what I could be doing to smooth out this process, right? Here's what I could be doing on my side of the wall before I throw it over, to sort of further optimize for for subsequent steps, um, and it and it worked really 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 well. Like within those couple of weeks, everyone has sort of under, viscerally understood the the impact that those kinds of changes would have. And we moved really aggressively towards uh, you know further automation of the of the build and deploy process. Like it, I think it, I think it very effectively got us over the process hump of like how do we move past this thing that's sort of a local minimum for the team, but not not where this company needs us to be in order to succeed in the market. Yeah, no, I I, I really, I'm, I'm glad to hear it and I'm not surprised because inherently, um, and, and I do and I do believe, and I'm interested to talk to Jim about this, um, 
his initial experiment, which was very similar, but with the difference of one person's holding the chicken, which is which is meaningful. Right, <laughs> um, right. Less, there's less personal pain involved. Um, also um, uh, meant to serve these same outcomes, right? Um, so now, so now that it's been many years since you've you've um, done this, right? Um, like, would you do it again uh, if you if you were part of a similar situation? Um, and like, yeah, why or why not? I mean, I I would. I think that the fundamentals haven't really changed. I think there's the there's the old XP saw, right? If it hurts, do it more often, right? Turn turn asynchronous processes into synchronous ones. Turn batch processes into single processes. Elevate those pain points until you optimize them, right? That's a technique that's as old as as old as time, and I think still really powerful. Um, uh, there, there's one thing, there's one critique that really resonates with me, and I, I, I don't know that I would, um, I don't know that I have a, like an easy next step there, which is that one person really felt, I think, a little infantilized by the the notion of the chicken. I thought it was pretty funny personally. Its intent was certainly not to to make anyone feel that way. But it did really give me pause, and, and I think it was part of a driver in us backing away from from the process a little bit because I don't I don't want people to feel put upon by it, um, and I think that the point had been made past that point, right? So like I think some of it, like I said earlier, is a little context dependent. It needs to be with the right set of folks and and to be approached with the right kind of attitude. Ideally, there's a lot of uh, trust between uh, folks amongst the team and also between the team and management. That's not always possible, but sometimes breaking through something like this is is a way of building that trust. Uh, but I also, you know, I like finding physical tokens to substitute for abstract processes, I think is a really powerful technique, no matter what those physical tokens are, right? There are lots of different ways to manage that problem. And then also the thing that I would certainly do again is, is perform that substitution, but also do it. And the thing I've done many times since then is whenever I'm driving a process change, be very explicit about, you know, I, I recognize how this uh, seems here's what I'm trying to accomplish here. Like, I, I, I don't want it to be a surprise. I want to be pretty explicit about my goals. Here's the circumstances in which we'll declare victory. Here are the stand- circumstances in which, like, if we all get together and decide that this is not working, we will stop it because there needs to be a stop point in order to build that safety, I think. And and that's what I take away from it is that actually, I think it's easier than most leaders realize to drive process change. I think it really, really helps to lean into your goals up front. Like I try not to play, you know, 10 dimensional chess with my process changes. I try to be very explicit about like, this is what I'm trying to row towards. Right. And I think that if you extend people that, that trust and make sure that they know that you're paying attention to what's working, what's not, and that there's a way out of it, if it doesn't work, I think that allays a lot of folks fears up front. Right. Right. And then, and then be open to learning things that are completely unexpected and you didn't even account for. And then, as long as you create that culture where people, this is my intention, this is my this is my goal, this is when we can you know tap out, and if there's something that everyone has their own um, you know life experiences that give them a lens that's unique, and that's yeah. why we're doing this together. And if something you see concerns you, confuses you, upsets you, excites you, tell somebody you trust. Yeah. Right. Because you like like you you are bringing this process change in this methodology, but you are not. Does that that doesn't mean you one person is inherently responsible or nor possible to understand like all of the factors like that. Like it's so, all like I, I really love that you adapted and you set that stage and people were 
vocal about the changes that they need. Okay, I'm in. I want to stay in. I don't want to tap out, but I need these tweaks. And okay, great, great. That's yeah. how you know that that's engagement. That's how you know people are uh, in, right? Or for the, the experiment serving the serving the process change. And um, and I, I do I do appreciate. Uh, I know we're almost at time. I I, I was reflecting on uh, how. You you said uh, and you you kind of like said it. Um, uh, you kind of brushed over it, like process change. You know, isn't always super complex, um, and uh, I think that's a really important takeaway because um, we're changing process because what got us here won't get us there for whatever reason. Right. right? Either it's not working or it's not going to work. One of those two reasons is why we we think we want to change. And does it mean the change has to be, you know, um, you know, uh, win a, an award for, you know, uh, inventing something new that's never been invented, right? Like there, like there are, there are less hard ways and harder ways of, of making yeah. change. And so I think that's a really important part that a lot of people can take away who are listening and watching. So, yeah. Also, uh, uh, sh shout out to Stride on that project. Can I can I do that? Is that cool? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, pro I promise Debbie's not paying me to say this. This was this uh, this was a place where we had some some Stride folks in spectacular success. Super 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 useful. Uh, would would definitely be happy to to bring them into some more situations again to to help drive some of that change. Well, thank you for that. I will tell the folks uh, after we're done with this recording. So I appreciate that. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, I'm so excited that I know this story now because it's been months and I've been waiting to hear the story. So, and I do appreciate uh, that you told it to me at the same time that you're telling everyone else that I'm listening. <laughs> so, um, well, I hope I hope it was edifying. I guess I, there are no big belly laughs, but I, I I kind of walk away from it very thought. Like I try to be very thoughtful about it. Right? Some interesting yes, lessons. Yes. I'm like, I don't know. Absolutely. Well, no, I, I really loved it. And, I, and I'm sure that lots of folks are going to have some really import, important takeaways. So thank you for your time. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Eddie. I really appreciate the chance to come on. And I hope you have a lovely day. Thanks. Right. Hey, everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe, give it five stars, and more importantly, share it with someone that you think will benefit from listening. And remember, as always, think about the one to two key takeaways that you can apply today to help you and your team achieve your goals. Until then, keep iterating.